That was not my best. Uh, anyways, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Teen It Up with C and V. Uh, I'm your host, Connor. As always, with my co-host, Vladimir, we're here bringing the podcast a day later than normal. Uh, we didn't forget about you people. This is still your weekly episode. We still have sports to talk about, even though football is long gone and we're well into the off season now. Anyways, Vladdy, uh, even though we will talk about football in this podcast. Um, so what's going on, man? Good to see you. How's life been since we last potted? Um, not bad. Uh, had a good weekend. Uh, hung out. Saw you, um, saw some others. It was, it was cool. Uh, nothing really out of ordinary. I, I usually try and kind of go off into a tangent, talk a little bit about something, but I genuinely don't think I have anything. So I'll turn that question back around to you. School, life, um, how you doing? Yeah. I mean, uh, like you said, I hung out with you this weekend. That was fun as always. Um, yeah, we're closing in on spring break in two weeks. So it kind of feels like, um, Things are heating up a bit for school over the next week and a half here. Nothing too crazy that I can't handle. Just, you know, a little more than usual. Uh, it, it sucks when a professor gives you unsolicited 50 pages to do in one class. That seems um, just for really no reason, but I'm not going to bore you with the details on that. I could go off forever on that. Let's get into some sports. Um, Michigan State basketball is kind of the of the Detroit area teams that we spend the most. Actually, there is some Red Wing stuff uh, I kind of want to get to. That'll be quick before we go into Michigan State. Um, a lot happened today on Wednesday when we recorded. Uh, the Red Wings kind of established themselves, A, as they're not going for it this year. Uh, they lost Monday and Tuesday by blowouts to a, a, a pretty similar – Senators team as far as where their outlook is and where there are they are as a franchise this season and going beyond, even though they made a move to get somebody pretty big. Um, but the Red Wings lock in something that we have talked about their captain, Dylan Larkin, into an eight-year, 8.75 uh, per year contract. It's about what I thought it would come in at. Yeah, I think it's a bit of an overpayment. It is less than what I thought the reports were going to be. Um, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the Bo Horvat thing when he signed about a month ago at 8.5. And I said, well, this kind of sets the stage for he's going to at least get 8.5. They're relatively the same player and Larkin's three years younger. Um, so he'll be 34 when the deal ends. Um, I mean, yeah, you don't want to ever – the eight-year thing is just kind of stock deals for teams. Um, so they can spread along money, especially in a league with a hard cap. Um, so you're not paying him a third of the salary cap every year for a two-year two deal or a three-year deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but you lock in your captain. It had to get done, in my opinion. You knew it was going to be a, for a number that he probably necessarily didn't fully deserve. Um, but he's kind of – he's a rock in the piece that you're trying to build – as far as this team goes for the future. Um, so that's kind of my just general thoughts on that. I don't know if you wanted to add anything on Larkin. Uh, if I had something to add, I would. I mean, you know me. I'm not really – I'm not hockey elite. I'm not hockey guy. I'm not – I'm not right. hockey mista. Uh, so then the other move the Red Wings made was trading away uh, Phil Peronic, who's um, – I believe he's 20 – also 25 or 26 – 
um, veteran player for the last three years, having a real coming out party as a legit top four defenseman. I believe he's got almost 40 points already this year. Um, so the, the Canucks acquired him, kind of a weird three-team deal. The Canucks get him and a fourth-round pick. Weird move for the Canucks because they're seemingly farther behind in a rebuild than the Red Wings are. Um, and the Wings get a first-round pick and a second-round pick. Um, but that first-round pick is top 12 protected. Uh, so interesting move, draft capital. Um, it's odd because I think he, that's a that's a trade that may – or a pick that maybe gets dealt at some point, maybe specifically this offseason. Um, I think you're in a spot now where you don't necessarily need pick to stockpile picks like maybe some other teams do um, since you are kind of – on the up and up and not necessarily still in the basement as far as a rebuild goes. Um, but I like the move. I don't think Koronik is a good player. I don't think he's like going to make or break a Stanley cup team. He's a, probably a solid third defenseman on a really good team right now. Again, like I said, it's kind of coming out year. Um, so that's the hockey news for today. Patrick Kane's a Ranger. That's the other big news around their league. It had been talked about for weeks now. It's one of those things where he just kind of – it was a weird one because he just kind of forced the Blackhawks. He said, this is where I'm going. I'm Patrick Kane. Make it work. And so the Blackhawks had pretty much no leverage, and I think they got maybe a prospect and like a second and third round pick for one of the greatest American skaters of all time. Um, yeah, so that's the big hockey news. Uh, as far as local teams, let's get into some Michigan State basketball. Since we last spoke, we had the absurd. Had we talked since the Indiana game? I don't know. Uh, I think either we, Tuesday I or had, Wednesday. I don't think we had. I, I think the Indi- I think I think we've got three games to talk about. Okay, so then we had Indiana, uh, a nice win at home against a good Indiana team. Although they got absolutely pumped last night by the team we played Saturday, Iowa. Uh, and what was one of the greatest college basketball regular season games I've seen in a long time. I know there was a ton of crazy games on Saturday. Uh, it was a really great day for college basketball. It was ironic that they had a Saturday like that the week after we put out a podcast about how, they, how it's a dying product. Um, but good for that. I, mean, I don't think, I don't I'm, think, a, I don't think a good slate of games really changes the overall thing, but you're right. I mean, yeah, the, or the general points we made don't necessarily partake into the what one Saturday. Yeah, it was just but some... it was just rather ironic that they had a good day for their sport, uh, entertaining day. And then, of course, last night, uh, Nebraska, a nice comeback win. So two and one. Uh, I don't know where you want to start as far as the games go, but I'll give it to the floor to you. Yeah, I mean, I'll kind of gloss over Indiana. Uh, Hogard and Tyson Walker kind of had probably their best game as a duo. I think they scored 40 of the 80 points or something like that. Um, it was kind of a clean Michigan State game. Um, I, I I would do. I want to get to Iowa because that was uh, that was a disgusting loss. Like that's if I think about losses. Um, that just have no like have no business happening over the last couple of years. The first thing that comes to mind is Syracuse in the tournament. Now, obviously, the stipulations are not even remotely close to the same, but the way that game was lost, just it it, it was disgusting. I mean, Tom Izzo showing his old head, yell at clouds stage of life, where ten years later he still refuses to foul teams when up points late in games. 
still refuses to do that, which I, I don't understand because statistically you are in a position where you cannot lose unless you don't hit your free throws. And if you can't hit your free throws, then why are you even playing? Um, Especially in a spot where, like, uh, they had made, what, four for threes in a row to get there. Okay, but I'm like, – They see, were hot. I'm not even talking about specifically the last shot. Like, I know a lot of people say, oh, when you're up by three, what do you do? I'll take it a step further because usually I do end up kind of amplifying things. If I'm playing against the team – and they're talking, and then they're following me because they think the game's not over. The very next possession, I'm following them. You want to kill my time? You want to waste my time because you think this game's not over? You want to start chucking up threes? I'm gonna follow you, whether we're up by eight, whether we're up by three, whether we're up by fifteen. If you start following me, I'm gonna follow you, and we're gonna play free throws. Yeah, I don't think that's a good idea personally, but ah, uh, just because like I don't love, I don't. Maybe 13, as ridiculous as it sounded, like as much as I thought the game was over and Michigan State is on their way to a national championship. Um, I don't, I just don't love the idea of stopping the clock like that just to give them an opportunity to score points that are probably, that are higher percentage points. I understand the point of like, well, you're just going, you're basically just playing ping pong back and forth. Like you're not actually losing points, but you, the clock is still never moving. And you're giving them a higher percentage chance than if you just let them play defense. Or yeah, let but them yes, but offense. usually teams don't play defense in those possessions because they're they're told or not really told, but they're it's kind of drilled in their head. Oh my god, I can't fall because I don't, don't want to get yeah. So usually yeah. you just give up uncontested layups anyway because it's one it's kind of that same thing. Oh, you don't need a three here when you're down by four, and you just give up you give up a layup uh, I, again. Maybe that is one step too far, but that would be my philosophy: is if this team that we're playing against thinks that they're still in the game, kill them. Mm-hmm. You you're gonna follow me, and you're gonna send AJ Hogard to the line. I'll follow you. I'll send your guy to the line. I'll take Hogard any day of the week. And if he doesn't, if he if he if he if he if he didn't doesn't doesn't figure it, well, it sucks. I I just think it's it's absurd. Um, I think he went like eleven for twelve in those last two and a half minutes, and he Probably. missed the one that mattered. <laughs> yep. And then there was, uh, um, yeah. I mean, you have that. You had, um, you score a hundred and one points in regulation. Oh, God, pathetic. Um, you go what fifteen for eighteen or however ridiculous the number yep. was for three. Oh, and Which then, talk uh, about last night. This team could shoot no. for three now. No, the last couple games, even Indiana, we we look Indiana, like Indiana, yeah. For, for Indiana onwards, we look like we look like a little green version of the Golden State Warriors. Like they rebranded yeah. their uniforms, got rid of the got rid of the Bay Area theme, went for a little ancient Greece, a little ancient it's Greece true. action. We're Joey Hauser on the catch and shoot might Oof, be might it's be so pretty. Like, oh, it's it's like it's like catch and shoot Clay Thompson. It's yeah, but it, it looks similar too. Shot. I don't want to. I don't uh, compare him to Clay Thompson, but it's it's so it's it, poetry it, in motion. Here, um, but yeah, no, um, the the shooting got him out of the slump against Nebraska. Uh, I know we were talking about this. Nebraska might be the gumpiest team we've ever seen. Ooh, uh, some ugly fellas. Yeah, no, the the one guy with uh, the kind of the the goofy hair and like the and the goggles, the, the Tom Hanks castaway beard. Um, he he looked pretty funny. Uh, you had a. Uh, Tanaka. Tanaka or no the Jeff hold on, I need to figure this out because I don't want to be uh, slandered here. Tominaga. 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 The, the Japanese guy Tominaga um with the headband kind of running around looking all night. It was great energy guy. Oh I, I, you know what I think maybe helped 
kind of funnel the, the 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 loony and the kind of the oh my god what do these guys look like their uniforms are trash but that's stupid yeah i was like, gonna i thought the same thing road ice the cream on the side yeah i was wondering if those are their normal jerseys or if those, that was a, a, a something burger but yeah, i agree those were horrible and with I the just, stupid like circle, I'm I'm gonna get hosed if this is like what was is for something. But like it just didn't make the logo on the front didn't make any sense either. No, yeah, it was, I mean it was funny. Um, I think that played into it. I was laughing the entire time after every basket. I'm like, how are we losing to this team? And thankfully, by a lot, they had, they, had, they put some shots up and clawed back into it. And it was like, all right, we're not losing to this team. But no, I mean it. Two and one is kind of a. It's decent. You you got. The, the Iowa loss kind of really hurts because it's yeah. not necessarily going to drop you down a seed line. Iowa on the road, that's probably a quad one team on the road. Like, losing that game isn't going to hurt. But what you missed out on help-wise, I mean, had they won that game and then carried that momentum in Nebraska, and let's say they go 3-0 and there, you're looking at a team that's, what, I think 20-10 and 10 at that point. Mm-hmm. and Or 19-10, and 10, whatever it might be. And you're, you're starting to push the, the six-seed line. And yeah. that's crucial because... You get to the sixth seed, you no longer have to play Alabama in the second round. You don't have to play Kansas in the second round. You get to play that second or even third tier of teams in college basketball. And losing that game, in my opinion, barring an absurd run where maybe we make a final or even win the damn thing, I think we're kind of stuck at seven seed as our ceiling at this point because Nebraska on the road and Ohio State at home are not quality wins. Those are games you're expected to take care of. Um, I think they were – in the Lenardi bracket, I saw pre-Iowa game. They were a six seed in his bracket, and after they went all the way down to a uh, a nine, and that's mostly because of all the crazy things that happened around. Um, but it looks like they'll be anywhere from a seven. They're going to be a seven or an eight, I think. I mean, at that point, give me the seven. I want. I don't want. I don't want to see a one. Yeah, seed exactly. Yeah, one seed, and then. So here's my thought is like, I keep going back. I've said it a lot this year that I trust this team way more than last year's team. And then I looked at last year's record and maybe it's because this year's team literally will play one great game and one bad game, one great game and one bad game. And last year's team just had that, that February or late January into mid February where they probably lost five in a row and looked horrible, got blown out at Iowa, got killed at home by someone. Um, we're really only saved by that Purdue when at home in late February kind of yep. turned it around a little bit, but I don't know what it is. And I was like, am I just delusional that I think this team is better um, or has a better chance at, go- at making a run this year? I don't know if you kind of feel same I, different. I don't think you are. Um, I think when you get kind of into the tournament, there's a couple different ways to make, to kind of, win some games i think first of all if you have a freakish big man that just the other team can't match up with right i think that gives you a good chance i mean you've seen i think the loyola teams that kind of did some damage they had that old that 25 year old and obviously that also helped the dude was a grown-ass man on his own insurance playing against 18 year olds but they had that big guy he could kind of he could do some damage down low and i mean you look at and I, as I say that, it's funny because Purdue always has a big guy and Purdue can't mm-hmm. do anything in the tournament. Um, they're kind mm-hmm. of perennials, second round, third, sweet 16 exits. Um, but I, I think, I think, and I think the more important one, because this is kind of like, this is kind of your leader, your facilitator. I think if you have good guard play, which this team has much better guard play than last year, Tyson Walker looks like the guy that was advertised to be coming from the Northeast Conference. Mm-hmm. AJ Hogard last night, 
dropped 14 assists. I think he tied the yep. third highest Michigan State program record of all time for assists in a single game. And I think he did it with maybe one or two turnovers, if that. I know he had zero for a long portion of the night. Um, if the, Again, if those two guys can play a, a game like they had against Indiana or if they can drop a 14 assists and Walker goes off for 20 points, I think you're capable of playing with anybody probably beating most teams on when it comes to one night, especially when you shoot like the, like they do, there's certainly yeah. the tools to do some damage. But, but it's the shooting, difficult. I'm also worried about the shooting though. Sorry to cut you off. Is no. that like when you get to the tournament, you saw the first half against Nebraska. Yep. When don't. they don't fall, it's, it's trouble time. No. Um, the defense, the, as good as the offense has been, Aside from the Indiana game, the last two nights the defense has been terrible. Yeah, we don't we don't play defense. We don't rebound. There's no hustle. The that that Michigan State mantra that was kind of shown to the rest of the country during the 2000s and the early 2010s doesn't exist anymore. Um, it's kind of turned into a finesse team, but it's you're right. There's there's Jekyll and Hyde. There's on and off, and you you bring up the concerns with shooting. I just think. <sighs> Don't fall in love with the three point shot because, like you said, you're gonna you're gonna start jack up you're gonna start jacking up some threes. They might not fall, and then there's issues. Yeah, and it feels like they have, and it's worked the last two games, even the Indiana game, uh, three games. But you do get a little, I do get a little worried that they fall too in love with it. That it felt like at times last night in the first half. We needed Joey Hauser just to hit some weird catch and shoot three, just to get any offense going. There was not any offense that was going to happen besides that. Um, same with Jaden Aikens. Jaden Aikens has shot the lights out too. Um, yeah, uh, I also Big Ten tournament. I don't know if you wanted to touch on that. It's with the Minnesota or with the Iowa loss. It doesn't really change as far as buys go. I would. I, I think they're the eighth seed right now, and they would play Indiana. I think it was. I say Illinois? we visit this. I say we visit this next week when the kind of the, the too much can happen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I say yeah, that could that. change on we, every night. I, I say we get going to uh, kind of the meat of this this episode, which was a Detroit Lions kind of season breakdown. What we thought of players, free agents, rookies, just kind of the season as a whole, go through maybe group by group or game by game. I don't know how you want to do it. But just kind of give us a give give the people what our thoughts were on the season. We've had some time to condense. We've had some kind or condense. We've had some time to kind of sleep on it. We, we can think a little bit more maybe objectively as opposed to subjectively a little sad that, oh my God, the Rams got screwed by Seattle and the refs said this. They don't want us here. Now we can kind of look at the season as a whole and maybe provide a little bit more accurate representations of what we saw. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it is, uh, you mentioned the subjective as the objectiveness. I do think it is, there is a part of me that is uh, as a fan and how the season kind of ended is a little, I'm still a little subjectively high on them, even though it's been, you know, a month, month and a half now. Um just because of how it ended, what, seven of their last yeah. nine? Or, so, uh, I mean, you can't end a season like that and not kind of end it on – or be go into the offseason on such a high note on what you had, even if it was just kind of a run that may not be repeatable next year. Um, so I figured we kind of take it by uh, position group by position like group. Um, 
I kind of want to start. We'll start with kind of the easier ones to talk about. Um, let's start with Jared Goff in the quarterback position. Kind of your thoughts on the future and what was what his 2022 looked like. Let me go down to where I kind of talked about Goff. I mean, I think Goff, he showed a lot more poise in the pocket. I know at times in 2021, he was happy feet. He, I mean, if you, if you hit him once the next play, he was ball was out of his hands like that, usually an incomplete pass. So part and part of that's due to cleaner pocket. I mean, we probably had a top five offensive line in the league this year, which was huge for the run game. It was huge for the passing game. Let us kind of run some different things. Um, he was still prone to mistakes. There were a couple of times he threw some bad interceptions at bad times. Um, but again, he was, he, he was, a, he was a very good he was a good quarterback. I mean, it was kind of that game manager status where you're not going to win because of him, but he, you're certainly not going to lose because of him. And I think that's kind of, that's a step up from where we were the year before. And hopefully with another right. year of the same system, you retain Ben Johnson throughout that coaching, their head coaching search where he was getting a lot of interest. You retain kind of, you start bringing back receivers. So I'm hoping another year in the system, another year of familiarity with receivers for timing purposes, maybe he can take another step. Yeah, uh, I think the something that you mentioned was the game manager and that he did take the step up from um, someone who you didn't even know if he was going to be a starting quarterback in the long term in the NFL uh, to someone that is a game manager. At least what I call a game manager is average, someone that you can win with. And like you said, you're not going to necessarily um, win a Super Bowl because of them, but they can be the guy, and we've seen – um, guys make runs in the playoffs with these types of quarterbacks, and he solidified, in my mind, a spot into that, I guess you would say, good game manager spot where he's still not an elite quarterback. Um, but I think going into the year, the expectations was, is he going to be a starting quarterback? Yeah, it's, it, it was more of – yeah, I mean, I, if I, I feel like if I remember correctly, the, the narrative last offseason was – well, this year we can't move off of golf because his cap hits too much. Next year we can trade him away for a third or a fourth round pick, whatever it might be, and we'll have our we'll have our cap space for a nice rookie. And he completely destroyed that. He's he's kind of shown, hey, I'm the guy you need for the next two years. Um, I emphasize next two because there is something I'd love to talk about in a later episode, may, hope, preferably before the draft, where maybe some things go different ways. But I think golf was kind of a very he was kind of a solid, solid, solid piece for the offense. Um, so what would you grade him on, a, on an A through F scale? Just give me a solid B. Um, like I, I was said, also going to say he, B. He, he wasn't going out there taking over games single-handedly. He was kind of taking what the defense gave him and try forcing throws, handed the ball off to his running backs. Um, it was a solid B. Not, nothing wrong with that. Um, I mean, kind of continuing with the offense um, – in the running game, like I said, offensive line top five in football. They they were they were great. Swift when he decided to not be hurt or when they wanted to give him the ball. Uh, Jamal Williams led the league in touchdowns. Yeah. Justin even Justin Jackson wasn't bad as like a third rotational piece, kind of give a little bit more rest to those guys. Um, you know, I'm a little disappointed with Swift on a personal because of fantasy football and even and obviously like as a fan because. DeAndre Swift is immensely talented. Um, I'm not, I don't know if maybe I'll, I don't know if I want to throw him up there with McCaffrey, but he's incredibly elusive. He's got hands in the passing game. I mean, I saw him pick up a couple blitzes that like where he's getting he's getting pancaked 
but at least he gave Goff enough time to 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 make the throw. I, I it's it's disappointing that either he can't stay healthy or he's afraid of getting hit. You kind of saw that as the season progressed, where instead of running through a guy for a couple more yards, it's just I'll, I'll take the oh let me go out of bounds route. So I don't know. I mean, running game is pretty nice. Uh, anything you want to add there? Uh, you touched or you hit most of it. Jamal Williams is going to be a free agent this offseason. I think the year he had, he deserves to at least get another contract. I mean, if someone can offer him a better one, you know, like I always say, running backs are kind of a diamond a dozen position. Um, but it was one of the better rooms in the league. And like you said, swift injuries. I think that's still going to be the story. That's why I think they'll probably draft another running back in the later rounds this year um, is because. A, the lifespan of a running back is not that long, and B, you just there is un, for as immensely talented as you put it. The, again, there is just that fear with him for injuries, whether it's mental now with the not taking hits in games. I don't know. Um, something to kind of watch out for. Um, I'm going to give the running game. Uh, I'm going to give the running back. Well, I'll give the running back grade a B, a B minus, and I'll give the uh, run. I'll give the offensive line in general an A. Yeah, that's, I think that's kind of fair. Um, with the receivers, um, I guess I'll start with uh, DJ Chark. Not really the guy you'd expect to start with, but he was kind of a one, he was one of our few free agent signings last year. Um, he kind of arrived on that one-year prove-it deal after some tumultuous time in Jacksonville. Um, but unfortunately, it kind of like his, his career kind of followed the same arc where he missed time with injuries. And when he played, he was all right. He wasn't special, but he wasn't also yeah. trash. And again, he was a nice big bodied kind of deep threat for us. Um, if, I mean, if he wanted to come back on a two, three year deal for less money than what we were paying him before, I think that'd be cool and be nice to have him back to kind of compliment the James and Williams speed and Amon Ra just moving between the moving between the lines of uh, the defense and picking up first downs. I think that's kind of a, it would be a key piece and be helpful. But if he if he feels like he needs to take another prove it deal or if he takes money somewhere else, I mean, I don't think he'd really break the bank for him. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's a ten million dollar player. He established that, and I think part of the reason that uh, he did kind of have his burst out moments. But again, I go back to in my head because he was kind of our big free agent signing and that like whenever he did do something, I was like, Oh, that's Chark. Like that's the guy we picked yep. up to do this. We're paying him $10 million this year. Um, so I think that's kind of in my head. And with that bias in mind, I really don't think he had that great of a year uh, on top of, like you said, the injury arc yep. that seems to be the story of his career. Yeah. But let's get to, let's get to an actual true bright spot. I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown is a probably fringe top 10 receiver in football. Um, yeah, he's he's phenomenal. Um, I, I thought I, I thought that the end of uh, 2021 was a little bit of not to say a fluke, but I thought that he was kind of helped by the fact that the rest of the wide receiver room was career accounts. Yeah, I mean, you, you didn't know who the guys were. So I thought that maybe when we got some more names, a Chark, a JMO, this and that, you, you picked up a Josh Reynolds. I thought that maybe he would kind of come back down to earth. But no, he can he took another step further. Um I actually think I saw a pretty interesting statistic. You might get a kick out of this. I I don't know what the thing is. He's got 196 catches in his first two years, which is filthy. Yeah, I'm just doing the math in my head. That's like a hundred a like hundred catches six, a season. six a game, seven yeah. games, seven a game. Yeah, I mean, and you also have to factor in that he barely played the first ten games of 2021. Right. So I mean, he's 
he's been incredible. That's a that's kind of what Brad Holmes was hired to do: find talent in later rounds. And I'll kind of I'll reiterate that phrase as we kind of keep talking about position groups and, and certain rookies. But he was great. Um, I'd give him ideally an A plus. I mean, he's he's phenomenal. Probably our best our best individual player, maybe outside of Panay Sewell. But um, talk about JMO. That was kind of the I know JMO was kind of that big shock because on draft night when we traded up when we traded up, I was, I remember texting friends and I was like, wait, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? Are we picking? Are we on the clock? Sunny, a little draft day vibes. It's like the lions are doing what, but you didn't even, I mean, he, I would, if I had to grade him, I would just say incomplete because I, we didn't see. Right. Him. That's um, what I was going to say. He got healthy. Good. He got healthy and got to get it, got to get in games this year. Good. That was the job for this year, basically. Yeah. I mean, he he had a couple cool deep balls on blown coverages. There was a couple times where we got to show that kind of like blistering speed that he was kind of yeah. known for. But I'll be honest, I am a little worried about him, to be honest. I mean, look, like you said, the goal for this year was just to make sure that everything is still there physically. It looked like it was. Next year, what I want to see out of him is more than just, hey man, put your head down and if you see that you're open, throw your hand in the air. Because if you drafted him just to run a, a, like a, a go route, we could have gotten That's a track. I mean, we could have gotten a track star in the sixth round for that. So I, I, I do want to see a little bit more wide receiver routes, wide receiver plays, and don't, I, if he, I, I don't want to see him relegated to some gadget type player. It's like, hey man, let's run the end around and go, go put your head down and again run, run the, run the, sl- run the, run the, the go route. I, I don't want to do that. I still have hope, and he, he's a, he's a phenomenal piece. He is. There's a reason why he would he was going to be the best receiving pro- receiver prospect of that year if he hadn't torn his ACL. So he showed some glimpses. Got to see more. Um, I feel like the the rest of the wide receiver room doesn't really need to be mentioned. I mean, no. Josh Reynolds is an all right rotational piece. Khalif Raymond, all right rotational piece. Tom Kennedy, the White Mamba from Hard Knocks, probably shouldn't be on the team next year, but. And you get you get, Quintes, you get Quintes Cephas back, but I mean, after so much injury, what what's he going to be doing? What was he doing? He was- um, <laughs> exactly. Um, do you want to go over tight end? Like, I mean, we can do it, it was quick. Hawkinson until about halfway through the year. He got traded. Hawkinson was the top, I don't know, six or seven tight end in the NFL. Um, wasn't exactly having a bang out year. To be honest, no, he had that one phenom- He had that one big game where kind of the rest of the weapons died, and he had like twelve catches and three touchdowns. Um, huge for my fantasy team, but uh, I think it was no, against yeah. the Vikings. No, it might have been. Yeah. No, 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 because it was a it was a home game. It was a home game. The the first explosion okay. was a home game. But no, I mean, yeah, you're right. He he had a good season. Yet he highlighted by a couple of games where he kind of exploded for 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 touchdowns and yards, but. The trade was interesting because when it happened, it was kind of a trade that signifies, hey, this is an openly tanking team. We're starting to deal mm-hmm. skill position players that we don't want to pay because maybe we don't believe in the direction we're going. And I mean, we were what one in five, one in six at the time. So mm-hmm. like, what are you really going to do? Um, the trade specifically, I probably would have liked to have gotten more. Um, they got a second round pick for a fourth round swap and then a future third for a fourth round swap. So they really only swapped picks twice, so they traded Hawkinson to kind of move up the draft about 80 spots, which for a guy that's 
as talented as he is. I mean, I would have liked to have maybe have it been an, an actual second round pick and an actual third round pick without us sending anything back. But, you know, it is what it is. It worked out. The team started winning afterwards without him. I mean, the guys that were brought in or not brought in, I mean, you had uh, Brock Wright, James Mitchell, a rookie you drafted as kind of a depth piece that they did their job. I mean, they blocked in the run game and they caught timely touchdown passes kind of later in the year. It was always like, yeah. You watched them catch some like empty pass on some like mm-hmm. kind of trick play where they lined up as a blocker and just kind of went went down the back door and nobody saw them and they did what they needed to do. Uh, I think tight end is still a position the the Lions need to address. Um, whether that's through the yeah, draft I don't know. There's a lot of positions I addressed before though. Oh yeah, I completely agree. But you you cannot have Brock Wright and James Mitchell be your starting tight ends for a team that, especially now that you want to consider yourselves competing for playoffs. You, you need to have a little bit – you need to have a little bit more damage and a little bit more maybe reputation so the defense has to consider them. I'm not – again, I'm not saying that means go take some guy in the second or third round, but maybe you want to spend a later draft pick or maybe you want to – maybe you want to pick up some career mid-level tight end, a Hayden Hurst or a Austin Hooper-level guy where if you get him for the right money and you know, hey, this guy can catch four passes a game for me, he can block, he can kind of do the things we need him to do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I'll dr- I'll address the group as a whole in giving my grade. Uh, I'm going to give them uh, a B minus. I actually was going to say the same exact thing. I think it was one of those where you didn't notice anything from them that was like, oh, crap, these guys can't catch the football. And it wasn't also, hey, we've got Travis Kelsey somewhere hiding. Um, get their job. Um, to the de- I mean, moving to the defense, um, do we want to start from the, from back to front, front to back? What where do you want where do you want to start from? Uh let's go like let's do secondary and then we'll do front seven together. Wanna to go secondary, linebackers, defensive line in that order? Okay, that's fine. Kind of go go through the three levels. But yeah, I mean I'll let you I'll let you take over for the secondary first and I'll kind of chime in after. Uh yeah, I mean the secondary is still clearly bad and I think needs the most work of any other position on this football team right now, personally. I think you just need to get pass rushers just because you look at what the Eagles did where they were just able to rotate out seven, eight defensive ends. And you saw how that worked for them. They got 75 sacks this year. Um, Anyways, off topic. But, uh, I mean, it was slightly improved from last year. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to be worse. I mean, it's hard to be worse than last year's team was. You saw Kuda get diced before he had the Achilles thing. Uh, he had obviously transitioned to safety and then back to corner. Um, I'm still somewhat bullish on his career. I don't think it's over. I don't think he's ever going to be the player that we thought he was going to be. Um, but I still think he. You, you're going into next year with a hint of optimism that he could be a solid NFL starting uh, player, uh, a warrior. Is that how you say it? Yeah. I, mean, I, I never know if I'm supposed to say the K. Or uh, there, there's no – I don't think there's I a like, K I think in it's okay, but it was no, okay. Is it w. not o- or regard uh, That's not the point of this. The point is he's not good at football. Yeah, I mean, the problem was he was playing like on the number one receiver at some points in this year. And, like, I, I actually don't think he's horrible at football, like you said. I think he's, like, kind of like an Okuda where you could sit back and maybe he could be your second or third corner on a team. But the problem is, like, A, you'd, those are a dime and a dozen, and B, like, 
the fact that he was your number one corner just speaks to how bad the secondary still was this year. Yeah, I mean, I had uh, I kind of added just because the name popped out to me. Another one of those like free agent signings they had was Mike Hughes, and like you said, he was mm. he was kind of one of those corners that rotated as like CB one. You mentioned Orwari did it, Okuda did it at the start of the season, and it was interesting because it felt like it was just like they were just playing hot potato with like, hey, yeah. you try and cover their best receiver, <laughs> you try and do it. And they, they were just hoping somebody could step up to the challenge and do it and really yeah. didn't look like there was. I mean, Jerry Jacobs, cool. I mean, whatever. Oroarie had a great 2021. And like you said, I think people had hope that maybe he could take another step forward and be that number one guy for Okuda to get the number two guy and have a little bit easier on him. Didn't happen. Um, Okuda had a good start to the year. And then I think he regressed a little bit, not that that's an issue, but yeah, not great there. And you're not picking up his fifth year option. So I kind of view this secondary room as things stand. Now, obviously, like you said, if this doesn't get addressed in free agency in the draft, then I have no idea what Brad Holmes is doing. But you look at this team, it doesn't look like there's a single corner on the roster currently that you expect to be there next offseason. Yeah. Like yeah. you have you, you if if we're talking about corners starting on this team right now in 2024, you have nobody. You have, you've absolutely nobody. So would you then like to see that addressed? Because I think it I think it is the position. I know you like you criticize like a Jalen Ramsey and just not being as good anymore. But like I think there are some legit corner oh, I think prospects, but prospects in the free agency pool where I think that is where you spend your money. I think those are so much harder to draft. And I, I know it's it's harder to say that when we've seen, like, what Sauce Gardner did this year as a rookie. But, like, I do think there, there's it's, it is such a kind of niche position that you do kind of have to find them via trade sometimes a lot more than – it is hard to draft them. You saw what happened when you tried to draft them third for, overall. For me, the corner thing is – I wouldn't say it's hard to draft them. I think it's a position kind of like quarterback where – it's tough because you're you're directly responsible for someone else. So I think it's one of those that takes a couple of years to understand. Like, is a, is a rookie quarterback very, like, very rarely is a rookie or like a first year starter? Are you going to step onto the scene and know what's going on? Because you yeah. have not read NFL defenses, you've not read NFL blitzes, you don't you don't have the audibles and kind of the play recognition. It's something that you acquire, and I think corner similar, like you said. This year, Sauce Gardner, not, not only that, Tariq Woolen. Tariq Woolen, if he wasn't a fifth-round pick, would have been right up there with Sauce Gardner for first-team All-Pros and whatnot, defensive rookie of the year. He was almost just as good. I mean, he's a speedster that turned into a great player for Seattle. I think they found him in the fifth round. Great pick. But, yeah, it, it takes a year or two to happen. So if, if this is a Detroit Lions team that's serious about trying to contend in the next year, year or two, you're probably hoping to trade away pick 18 for a, for a kind of a stud. And you're probably also hoping to bring in a vet, um, whether that's a, a vet as in James Bradbury is on the wrong side of 30. And you're just kind of saying, hey, man, come, come here. On a, yeah, come. Yeah. Show us what because, like again, show us what you got. he just had a phenomenal year. It's just mm-hmm. one of those where he had such a good year that team can't probably pay him. But you look at a Jamel Dean, you look at a Sean Murphy bunting. It's just that's kind of that second tier of players, which when paired with a phenomenal pass rush can look even better than they are because now the quarterback has less time to get the ball out. Um, but absolutely, yeah. There, ne- I think, in my opinion, there needs to be two new corners in this room next year, whether that's a drafted player at 18 
please God, not drafted player at six. I would lose my <laughs> mind. Um, drafted player at 18, 18 traded for somebody, or maybe even a second round pick. I guess if you got to draft a corner high, you got to draft a corner highly in the draft, in my opinion, or use a high pick to get a corner somehow, and you got to sign someone. And that can, and then hopefully that vet can maybe mentor Okuda something that he hasn't really had his time here, and maybe can teach him a few things, and maybe he turns into a serviceable CB two. Because I think, let's be real, I mean, I, I I think like you said, the the days of hey we're drafting you as the highest drafted corner since prime time, you're going to be a lockdown that that's gone. So if he can be a solid CB two and maybe play his way to another contract with us. That'd be cool, and then you kind of rock with whatever you tr- you trade for a draft. But there needs to be serious improvement on the secondary. And in safeties, just because we are talking secondary, I think safeties actually is probably the most secure position on the defense. Kirby Joseph had a phenomenal year as a rookie, is kind of that ball hawk free safety running around. I mean, he I think he picked off Aaron Rodgers four times in two games. Um, kind of he he was just he was all over the field. Um, you had Deshaun Elliott, another semi-big free agent signing, but I think because of Tracy Walker, because of Deshaun Elliott, or Deshaun, because of uh, Kirby Joseph, I think although he played all right for us, Deshaun Elliott's probably walking. Um, but you, but you asked something. I think safeties is the one place where we kind of have pieces at an NFL level where you can say I'm happy with that position group. On the defense, yeah. the offense, the offense has a couple of those, but. Uh, I'm going to get – so kind of moving on to the linebackers, I'm going to give the secondary in general. Um, I'm going to group them all together, and that's why I give them a C plus because um, I think it's probably a D plus for the uh, corners and probably somewhere on the low B for the safeties. That's fair. Yeah, C, C plus, I think that's good. I mean, to the linebackers, um, I think I think the linebackers is like – Jesus. <laughs> The linebackers are nope. sneakily, are sneakily just hey, no, they're sneakily just as bad as the corners were. Um, yeah, I mean Rodrigo was a cool story. He was kind of like Tom Kenny, the star of Hard Knocks, and it actually transitioned into some pretty good play. I mean, he was great yeah. against the run. He even got to the pass. I even got I think he had a sack or two in a couple of the, in a game. Um, so he did. He show did fizzle own. off though a little bit once he got to the set later half of the year. He wasn't as quite electric, and I think. And being a little undersized uh, did show a little bit oh, yeah. as I mean, the season cer- went on. There's certainly a reason why he was a sixth round pick. I'm I'm not saying you're going to ro- roll out with roll out there with him as your starting linebacker next year, but he's a nice rotational guy. You still need more athleticism. You need more talent as well, like true kind of blue chip prospects on the on that kind of level of the defense. Um, Somebody that can I, tackle. Somebody who can run. Because I'm tired of watching semi-mobile quarterbacks outrun my linebackers, and I'm even less tired, or I'm even more tired of watching mobile quarterbacks shred us. It's like, it's like guys, there's a QB spy, but the issue is the QB spy is not fast enough to tackle Justin Fields, and he's not fast enough to tackle a Geno Smith, and he's not fast enough to tackle Jalen Hurts. It's like, we need we need more. So that's something where I would all I I think linebackers also something that needs to be addressed in free agency in the draft someone in another thing with the linebackers is none of those guys could cover the pass um again rodrigo run stopper anzalone i don't know what he runs was around doing. with long hair yeah he runs around with goldilocks hair like cal halliday maybe maybe if he takes his football gloves off and plays true bare hand he can be cal <laughs> halliday but um 
I mean, you had you brought back Gerard Davis. The only reason I even bring this up is because I want to go back to how bad of a first round draft pick that was for the Lions in 2017. Um, Gerard Davis was, was was a nothing burger last year. I don't know why he was brought back, but I thought it was funny. So looking back at the review, we can kind of laugh and ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have yeah, much to add yeah, on. No, that group. Moral of the story: We need more speed. We need more talent. Yeah, I'm gonna give them a C minus. C C minus. I don't care. <laughs> Moving on to what turned into the one bright spot of the defense was. Um... Yeah. Do we? Do you want? Do I'm gonna go be a little critical player? to start. I was I'm gonna go a little critical. To, uh, we can go player by player, but I was gonna make it as much as this team, as much as it, they were surprisingly as a group good. Uh. There still needs to be a ton of work done in the run game, and I think that needs to be addressed kind of with the um, – not so much with the edge rushers, but it, it, like nose tackle and getting farther inside that line. I mean, we can go into individuals now if you want on that point. But Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk run game, I mean, you're two kind of interior linemen. I think it was Isaiah Bugs was kind of brought in as a free agent. He was all right, but Alim McNeil was kind of the guy, which was he, – he was he was a third-round pick. I don't know if it was last year or the year before that. Um, I mean, he played all right. He kind of – I think he got better as the season went on, but they're still kind of waiting for – and I, I think they're they're going to forever wait. I don't think this will ever work. Is uh, Levi Anzarike? I don't think he's ever actually mm-hmm. going to play for us. I think his back is just permanently screwed. Um, but yeah, the I think interior you need another body. Whether again, free agency draft, you got to find someone interior to, and even even to generate some interior pass rush. I mean, Elim McNeil is a decent run stopper, but he 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 doesn't really offer any like pass rush he doesn't offer an interior presence of hey we can't just let the guys go double aiden james houston will leave the we'll leave the court we'll leave our center on an island with the with the guy there because he's not a threat so i i think like you said uh the interior of the line needs the most improvement aiden hutchinson let's do it i, I there's actually a de- there's a lot to say about him um i'll let you go first Man, he is still so cringy, and I try every day not to like him. <laughs> but and he wasn't like all worldly. I'll, we'll get that out of the way. But he had a hell of a season, and I'll let you have the floor from there. Yeah, I mean, I think he kind of mirrored the team where he was basically a ghost the first two months. Yeah, of the season. that's true. Um, and then he kind of—I think they switched him to the other side of the line. They kind of stood him up. So he wasn't. So he was kind of attacking from different angle, and it, it improved. I think he became a lot more consistent, and that's the one thing that I know I preached the entire season was, yeah, he had four and a half sacks in the first like six games, seven games, but then you break down four and a half, and three of them came against Carson Wentz, and one and a half yep. came against Dak or Cooper Rush, I think, or maybe even Dak Rush, whoever the Cowboys guy was. He had basically those four and a half sacks were all in one or two games, and I was like, guys, like that's cool. But that's not what like we need a consistent give me a sack a game, get me some pressures a game, end up with 15 sacks for the course of 17 weeks, and that's awesome. Um again, he's still a rookie. There's time to move. I guess I'm yeah, I mean he had some interceptions, which was cool. Showed yeah. some nice intellect on the especially the play against Green Bay where he kind of broke off and he kind of realized, oh, this guy's slipping behind me. Let me go intercept Rogers' pass. But obviously Rogers threw a terrible pass. It was 10 feet short of the receiver, but at least Hutchinson put himself in the position to make that play. So he showed some good intellect there. Um, 
I, I, I guess I'm just kind of happy that he moved away from the bust talk. And I mean, I'll be the first guy to say I was one of the people who said that. So I, I was wrong about that. But the one thing that I always talked about from the draft process onwards, and it's why I wanted Kayvon Thibodeau out of him, was I always thought he had a higher floor and a lower ceiling than both of the guys that were kind of up there with him, Trayvon Walker and Kayvon. Um, I mean, Trayvon was a bust. Trayvon was a complete dud for, for Jacksonville. And to be honest, I'm still not sure why he went number one. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau had a pretty good year after he got healthy from his injury. So I guess we'll kind of not as good as not as good as uh, Hutchinson's year. No, no, I'm just saying. Um, I just kind of want to monitor that going forward because, like I said, he he definitely moved himself out of the bus talk. But I want to see him kind of solidify that he has a ceiling. Like, if your ceiling is ten sacks a year, that's cool. Like that, don't you? That's really good, but. If you're if you're the number two pick as a D end, I want your ceiling maybe not Miles Garrett because that's like all worldly, but I want you to get to 15 sacks a year, and that's that's mm-hmm. where I said I think that's something Kayvon Thibodeau could do. I don't know. I'd love to see Aiden Hutchinson do it. Prove me wrong again. I mean, he developed some pass rush moves over the over throughout the course of the season. It wasn't just a bull rush, and maybe I overpower him this time. Maybe I don't. We'll see what happens. So I was I was happy with him. If I gave him an individual grade, I'd give him a B plus. Yeah, I was gonna say A minus. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's we'll see. Um, there was James Houston, who was another one of those kind of Brad Holmes late round. I think he was a sixth. I think he was also, or he was a fifth or sixth round pick. I don't know which one it was, but he was spent the the first ten, twelve weeks on the practice squad, and then in like seven weeks, he set the NFL record for most amount of sacks and your first yep. X amount of games, which was hilarious. But um. I mean, he was a he was a, he was a really really good pick. Um, I do think that maybe we are a little too high on. Like, I think he might cap out as like a rotational piece that you bring in on passing downs that you know or passing downs, and you say, "Hey, man, it's third and ten, third and twelve, third and eight. Go get the quarterback." And that's always good. I mean, like I said, your sixth round pick for a reason. If you want to continue to prove me wrong, do so. But it's certainly a great player to have in Detroit, and. If we can address defensive end at six, get a get another kind of top end talent to put on the other side of Aiden so that he can't get doubled at every play, I think this the defense can unlock a lot. Yeah, I'm a little worried about Houston being kind of like we mentioned it kind of with Hutchinson and being a momentum as the season like as part of the whole team had built the momentum at the end of the year that he was just kind of a uh, one piece in that puzzle. It'll be interesting with the full off season and essentially unless if they do like we want them to take another DN at six, uh, say they don't um, you're sticking him back in as your other starter. It's a little different now, I think. So yeah. I, I would be curious to see how that works out. Yeah. I mean, but overall, I mean, I, I guess I'd give the defensive, the defensive line position, maybe a B you showed promise. Like yeah. I said, it's probably the best of your, overall levels of defense and it's also the youngest i mean a lynn mcneil second or third year guy um houston rookie hutchinson rookie i mean you've got you've got the oquaras and charles harris but i, I feel like those guys were just more bodies because the roster says you need 53 people they, they didn't really do much um yeah. Do you want to give uh dan campbell a grid i was gonna say i i, I want to go into coaching as a whole i mean Okay. I think I think Dan Campbell um 
I mean, again, he mirrored the team. He started the season a complete train wreck. I mean, there was questions going in, like, is this a rah-rah guy or is this like an X's and O's guy? And he started the season completely kind of showing his ass. It was like, hey, man, I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, we, we, we did the episodes. Yeah, it was it was atrocious. The the debacles, the Minnesota debacle, the onside kick versus Philly too early, timeouts against the Bills, that weird fourth down call against New England. It's like, again, some of his calls were absurd, and I'm I'm never gonna I don't I don't want to directly say what cost your team a game, but the Minnesota game, the first one, he cost them that game. When he when he decided to kick the field goal to, or to bring on some dude for a career long instead of either pitting yep. them going for it, um, after that, I mean the Buffalo game where he kind of used those timeouts in a stupid way at the end of the first half and gave him a free kick, and then at the end of the game, that's what it came down to. Um, obviously, you can't play butterfly effect there, but there there was mistakes that you saw at the beginning of the year that were glaring that got better and better. Um, so I, I mean I was happy with him. I mean Ben Johnson was fantastic uh the trick, play, the trick plays we were running the the run game specifically that we were running i mean he was great we get to retain him for another year which is huge i mean on the defense it's gotta side, fall a little bit on dan campbell though being that's like that's a good hire like that's that's yeah. hiring him absolutely like, no absolutely um i mean Aaron you are Glenn. only as good as your assistants yeah. to an extent yeah. aaron glenn i mean it is what it is uh they fired yeah. aubrey pleasant mid-season and got better um or at least this is actually one thing i didn't want to bring up is we keep saying the defense got better as the year went on i am not so sure if that's the case i think i'm not gonna go one way or the other but i think because you when you start winning football games it masks deficiencies because why do you care we got the w yeah the, the defense was atrocious the first couple weeks of the season and we were losing, so we were like, hey, the defense sucks. But when you start winning, you're willing to just overlook that because why do I care? I mean, prime example, 2017 Carolina. Michigan. I, I was going to say 2017 Michigan State football's offense. We all thought, oh, my God, it's like we're bringing back all these guys. Lewerke is a dark horse for the Heisman. We're 9-3. and three. <laughs> And it's like, no, the offense was trash. It's just the defense held the other team to 17 points a game. So Lewerke needed to get to 18 to win the games. And then you saw it in 2018 and 2019 with Dave Warner's lunacy, the stupid dives, the stupid play calls, the stupid throws. And it's just one of those where nobody said the offense was an issue in 2017 because you went nine and three. The second you went six and six, it's like, well, well, what do we do? Hey, Mark, what's going on, Mark? And so I think I don't know if I, I don't know if the defense got better. Like their overall numbers were tra were trash. I think they were bottom five in points per game, yards per game, yards per play, basically every measurable statistic. So obviously there's still a lot of room. We we said that um, our grades kind of signify that they were a, a full letter grade or two below what we gave all the offensive categories. But there's certainly a lot to build off of. You're break. You're making some cap space. Brockers is getting cut. Vitae's probably getting cut. You might cut Charles Harris or I think I don't whatever the older Oquara brother is. I mean, the Lions could find themselves with forty, fifty million dollars in cap room this year. So there, there. Hopefully, there's going to be some spending going on. And for that, I'm going to say the Lions, 2022-2023 season, gets a whopping C plus. I think you're a little harsh there. I mean, I'd give them just like a flat B. 
Like if you, yeah. look, I was gonna say if B-. you look, I raised to I raised to B minus. I was just gonna say if you look at what Vegas Vegas was like, our over under is six and a half. We got to nine and eight. Um, yeah, you're right. Obviously, you're and right. Obvi- again, obviously the schedule opened up for us, and starting one and six is criminal. You that that's capital punishment worthy. Um, but again, overall nine and eight, coming off of having the second pick in the draft, you, you get you, Brad Holmes continued to do what Brad Holmes does. He found guys. He found a Rodrigo. He found a Kirby Joseph. He found a James Houston. I would like to see a little bit more activity in free agency. And again, maybe this is the year because last year, your second pick in the draft, why are you going to go splash money on a team that's not good? Yeah. But this year, when you've got nine wins, I'm hoping to see some action, get some veterans in this locker room. Obviously, they keep preaching about culture. So go find the guys that fit your culture, so be it. But I think it it can't just be another year of, hey, we're going to re-sign our guys because they know the system. You need an infusion of talent, and you probably have to do it from – external sources um that always doesn't mean it's gonna be your best players like you you expect Hutchinson to take another leap and to be your Nick Bosa type guy to kind of lead your defense because again if if someone's good enough they're not going to be a free agent for you to sign so find the dudes who are not good enough to re-sign but are good enough to help your team go to the next level yeah that's a great breakdown I think uh, we can kind of get more into transactional stuff uh closer to the draft when we do a preview for that uh, we'll probably have something, you know, in about and, a month. And, for, and month for, agency, so for free agency will have happened, so we'll kind of have a clearer pos- idea of what positions we actually need. And what the plan yeah, looks I mean, like. That's the, one thing, like I, we, we all love talking about the draft. I, I've been doing this for the last month, and it's like, oh, draft this, prospect that. And it's like, well, you're still one free agency period ahead of even knowing what you're looking for. Because if you find free agent at position X, maybe you don't need to draft position X anymore. Maybe you got to right. go find a ball. Wait, we got to we got to go at this. I mean, we're gonna have the combine this weekend. It'll be Anthony Richardson hype week. It'll be measurables hype week. Tyree Wilson's gonna shoot up people's draft boards. Uh, Anthony Richardson will hopefully shoot up people's draft boards because he goes higher than six. That's a defensive player falling to us. But I don't know. I think right. uh, I, I that's, kinda, the, yeah. that's a pretty good recap. But that was a good uh, good recap, especially you know. People think they're not going to get football, and we give them just a full-on recap of the season a month after, um, more than a month, probably a month and a half now since the last season. We, I've been saying I wanted to do this because I think it, like I said, it's it's nice to look back at where you started and where you ended up. It's nice to kind of use that as a is like a position to launch forward how where you want to address your holes, how you want to do it. So I'm I enjoy the I enjoy the I enjoy the talk, I enjoy the position of the Lions, and I enjoy the future. So. Yeah, it's a rarely exciting time uh, to be a Lions fan, or at least we hope so. Yep. Anything else you want to add? Closing remarks to this podcast? No. Um, I guess, as always, go green. I don't have anything else. Yeah, big game Saturday. Close it out. Um, as far as um, – yeah, that's all the sports news. That's all we got for you guys. Like, subscribe, um, share us to your friends, family, uh, your dog, your dog's friends. Go to the dog park, share it to the people at the dog park. Um, anyone that likes sports, doesn't like sports. I know some of Vladdy's friends that don't even like sports have given us an opportunity. So if you like sports, you have no excuse not to watch or watch, listen to the podcast. And with that, see you later, guys. Thanks for listening. Peace.
Isso. 